England are just three victories away from winning Euro 2022 on home soil. But as we found last summer, it can't be taken for granted that it's coming home. On Wednesday night, it's England against Spain with a place in the semi-finals up for grabs. Whether you're nervous, excited or both, the build-up starts right here. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Women's Euros Only Better. top tipster, intrepid reporter and Corin Diacra superfan, Abigail Davis is with us once again. Abby, you had another great night of tipping as England's group came to a close. Austria beat Norway, just as you said they would. Nicole Biller came through at odds against in the to-score market. Over four and a half goals landed as England thrashed Northern Ireland 5-0. First of all, England exceptional in the group stage. Three wins, 14 goals scored, none conceded. It's about as good as we could have hoped for, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. England continue to break records. Beth Mead continues to find the back of the net. Of course, we've backed her to finish top goal scorer as well. And they surely have to be favourites to come through their quarterfinal match against the nation who were favourites to go all the way before a ball had been kicked at Euro 2022 in Spain. But it's absolutely bonkers to think that Serena Wiegmann's Netherlands side scored 13 goals on route to the title in 2017 and England have surpassed that tally after just three games so free-flowing it's it's such a joy to watch and as a neutral you that you said there in your intro whether you're nervous that's one benefit I don't know if any of you know but my nation didn't qualify for this tournament. Oh, I, don't know whether I, I hadn't realised. No? No? Right, okay. <laughs> but yeah, whether you're a neutral or not, this is just a spectacular side to watch and it, it does feel like it's all coming together at the right time. England perfect so far. I've once again got the perfect team to analyse these games. Reporter and presenter Eleanor Lee back in the starting three. Eleanor, Overall assessment of England, it's so exciting, so much depth, so much quality, so many ways they can hurt teams. But I guess they haven't had the top, top tests just yet. No, not yet. And and I mean, we couldn't have wished for a group stage to go better than it has done in, in England's point of view, really. And, and yes, they've got Spain. And had you said England are coming up against Spain um, before the tournament had started, I would have been a lot more worried than I am now because Spain really haven't showed up in the way that we expected them to. Perhaps it's down to the injuries that we've discussed previously and and those blows that they were faced. But I still really fancy England and I'm, I'm really confident that they'll get the job done. Like Abby's just touched on, that free-flowing play, the amount of ways that we can really disrupt and, and dismantle teams. Yes, we've gone with that unchanged 11 for those first three games. But were you surprised we're... by that for that third game? Um, we talked about that pre-match, didn't we? I was I was surprised that it was exactly yeah, how it was. I was perhaps I didn't think she was going to make too many changes. Um, I know that there was kind of that argument that well, why doesn't she rest players and things like that? But then I think when you do do that, you do risk disrupting this flow that this team have got so well knit together. Um, I perhaps expected to see a couple of people rested, but then obviously we saw um, Alessia Russo come on much earlier than she had done. In, in the two previous games. Um, and so that's probably where um, Serena saw that she could 
bring players out and rest them, almost kind of get the job done as much as possible, even though pre-game it had already been done. Um, get as much as we can and then start to rest um, where, where there's room to. But yeah, you can't really you can't really want more from a group stage. <laughs> I think for me, I would have certainly kept that centre-back partnership for that third match because I do think with Leah Williamson coming back into the defence that that's a partnership that maybe needed to to get a bit more experience together and just that understanding that centre-backs need to have. But aside from that, I did think, and I said in the last podcast that we did, I would have started the likes of of Chloe Kelly in that match. I think Alicia Russo, yes, she was superb when she came on and my God, the control, the touch, the turn, the finish. I'm utterly obsessed, utterly obsessed. Obsessed with it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I must be in the hundreds of thousands of views for that. Just me alone. <laughs> Just me alone. In this hotel room that I find myself in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But um, I also thought Frank Kirby was one that I thought might have been left out for that game, given how her season ended. I thought maybe, you know, with the fatigue, I thought she might have been left out. But she's been arguably the standout player or certainly one of the standout players of this tournament for me. She's sharp, the low centre of gravity that we know she has. She's ridiculously intelligent on that football pitch and is always three or four moves ahead of of pretty much everyone else on the pitch. You know, you think you're about to get close to her and marker. She's seen that. She's already thinking about her next move. Her creativity has just been so crucial. But as we saw in the Norway game, as is her work out of possession off the ball she's ju- she's been just as important um you know that as i said not being involved towards the back end of the season due to that fatigue it is fantastic to just see her out there enjoying her football again having that great impact that we know she can have when she's at her best I was trying to buy a Fran Kirby England away top, but sadly they didn't have them in extra large anymore. So Nike, you need to up your game. You are missing out on sales there. Serena Wiegmann missed the final group game because of COVID-19. She's been watching training with a mask on. She's been uh, keeping her distance, obviously. She's been talking to players on Zoom. They would be very used to that, of course, given the times that we live in. The skipper, Leah Williamson, has said it's not ideal. But, Eleanor, it shouldn't be too damaging, should it? Because the one thing you realise, I guess, is that Serena runs an incredibly tight ship. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And so even if she's not physically there her instructions will be getting through. 100%. And look, it's a shame that she can't be there for, for that game and she missed that game. And it's a shame that they're having to do things perhaps remotely or in a different way. But this setup that she's um, that, she, that she's got at England is just almost untouchable and it's unbreakable. And it's this it's this belief everyone, everyone understands their role, whether they are um, a starter, whether they are perhaps somebody on the bench and coming off. There's not, she's bred this atmosphere within this Lioness's group that everyone, everyone respects and they understand their role. And there's, there's a a lack of ego and it's all everyone seeing each other as a team so the fact that she's had to take a step back because she's unwell I don't think it's going to phase them I don't want to speak too soon I I would rather have the the manager have to take a few few days away than a player we don't know if that's going to happen if she's had contact or anything like that so do not want to jinx things as we are heading into fingers crossed fingers Fingers crossed crossed that, that they're all healthy but um she's she's got such a yeah just just the way that she's 
she's um, formed this setup at England. There's no no way that the players were ever going to let that phase them. And that was never going to play a part in perhaps a drop in their performance. And just on that, I think it's quite interesting. As I've mentioned previously, I was at St. George's Park just before the tournament started for their open training session. And it's quite interesting because Gareth Southgate is somebody who will go over to each player and speak to them individually when they're going through their training drills. But Serena was, for some players, she was openly giving instructions in front of everyone. But then for the likes of Lauren Hemp, she went over to, I think, Leah Williamson. So she knows each individual and what they need. That is the level of player management that she has because she understands what these players need and that it's not all about... Some players don't need that one-on-one you know, instruction and they can say it in front of the group. Some she does need to take to one side because that's how they respond better. So not being there won't impact it too much because she just knows these players inside out. Remember, you can check out the Betfair Boost where you can boost the odds on our already boosted Euro selections each day of the tournament with the tokens in your bet slip T's and C's in the description. 18 plus see gambleaware.com. We'll come back to talking about the threat that England pose in a bit. But England will face Spain. I was at their 2-0 defeat to Germany and their nervy 1-0 win over Denmark. They weren't as impressive in that 4-1 win over Finland as the scoreline suggests either. Eleanor, lots of possession, lots of nice moments in between the boxes. But they look vulnerable on the counter to me because they do push forward quite high. And going forward, there is no central striker who looks dangerous. And what I find extraordinary, and I know it worked out in the end with the winner against Denmark with a cross into the box and the header at the far post, but they whip cross after cross after cross into the box to nobody. It is baffling to me. It's, I mean, you said it there, the performances have been nervy. Um, but b- before the tournament, I think I said on a, on one of the previous episodes that Spain were one of my favourites to really do something. And they're just, they're lacking on all fronts. Don't get me wrong, the way they're moving the ball about, the, the, the way that they pass that ball and they move forward with it, I could watch forever. It really is. Yeah. It's almost, it's beautiful to watch. It's that classic Spanish, almost like tiki-taka football, quickly, quickly moving it up the pitch and nothing happens and nothing comes from it. And they're, they they are just lacking any kind of, the, they're not being clinical in front of goal. And when they come up against a team like England, England are going to punish them for that because England have shown that they're taking their chances. Just look at the amount of goals that we've scored in the group stages. So it's all good being nice on the ball. It's all good playing really, really pretty, attractive football. But if nothing comes from it, then, then you, you, they're not going to go much further in this competition. I, I do think they're really going to struggle. I do. As someone who is a massive Swansea City fan, I can tell you that when you dominate possession and it's all in the middle third and you don't really progress into the final third that much, and when you do, you're not clinical enough or it's not, there's not as much variety to your play in the final third it becomes rather infuriating. I mean, it does It does only take, and I think Swansea have shown that over the last season or two, that it does only take that one player to come in. Maybe for Spain it is that Alexia Pateas to come in and then you find that ball through, ball in behind the back line. But 
in the middle third, as Elena just said, Spain are absolutely phenomenal, even without Pateas, like pulling the strings. But they are going to miss her vision, her passes in behind and, and her overall presence. They are going to miss that. And I think, you know, they're still able to control games, but they've certainly not been as clinical as they'd like and, and struggling in front of goals against Germany and Denmark. But I think the interesting thing for me is that a lot of people have been saying, and probably rightly so, that England are going to need to be good out of possession in this game. And the work they do off the ball is going to be incredibly important. But as I mentioned, a lot of the time watching Swansea, the teams that cause us the most problems and the teams that hurt us the most are your physical sides, like your Tony Pulis side, your Paul Lambert side, who give you no time on the ball, who press you high up the pitch and make you come up with a plan B. So I well, think that's exactly that what Germany the, the did. Approach. Absolutely. Exactly what Absolutely. Germany did. The, the thing that really struck you about that game was that Germany have some players who are simply physically stronger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lena Oberdorf was just bashing people all over the place, as she tends to do. But she's so strong. And it's all very well having that possession. But it's not only the strength, it's the ability on the counter. And England have got both of those. Eleanor, it's, gonna, it's a really tough stylistic matchup for Spain because it feels like England have answers everywhere. It does. And I think the issue with Spain is that they're, they're starting their games and yes, they've, they've got this kind of really, really attractive way of, of moving the ball about. But teams are unpicking them so quickly and they're becoming really predictable for the rest of the game. And within 20 minutes, teams have almost worked out their game plan and then Spain aren't changing it. And they're just sticking. There, is, there seems like there is no plan B. It's let's just keep hold of the ball. Let's just keep moving it quickly and moving it forward. But then there's no one in that final third to actually make the difference. Um, it, yeah, it, I think England do have the answers. Uh, yes, they're going to have to be patient. We've seen how well Spain can move the ball around teams. But like you've just said, what Germany did so well is that Germany forced them to to... They they forced their plan not to work. They basically yeah. they they took everything that Spain had prepared. They ripped it up. They threw it in the bin. They said, "Go on, then have another go." Um, and yeah, it just didn't work. And I think um, England will look at that and they'll they'll know that that's kind of what they're going to have to do. Yes, they'll have to be patient. Yes, it's not going to be as easy as perhaps some of the group group games have um, have been. But I think England have everything in their locker needed to make a difference against this Spain side. And I think this comes back to them being tournament favourites, Spain. And, you know, the discussion we had around that, they're favourites largely because of the incredible success that Barcelona had last season. But that Barcelona side had Rolfo, had Graham Hansen in it. They have a number nine. They have options. They have that versatility to their approach in the final third. That's what Spain don't have. And we said it from the outset. And that is proving to be the case. Yeah, England round about evens in the match odds market. That seems absolutely fair enough to me. I think that's right. England, of course, are at home. England, you would say, the more impressive team. If you look at some of the other markets, I, I was really quite gobsmacked by this, Abby. Beth Mead, 11-4 to to score at any time, 7-5 to to score or assist. Now, she's been playing not exclusively, but largely down that right-hand side. Olga Carmona came on for Leila Wahabi in that final game against Denmark. Defensively, I'm not sure about either of them. I think they're going to really struggle to contain Beth Mead. They look like great prices to me. 
who doesn't struggle to contain Beth Mead? <laughs> yeah, str- that's true. I struggle to contain my excitement for Beth Mead. <laughs> it is unbelievable. I'm going to be getting on those odds, most certainly, because I just don't see how she doesn't... Is there a, is there a market for score or assist? Because I think that one, if there's... Yeah, well, that's seven to five. So that's just if she assists yeah. or scores. Yeah. So you've yeah. got both routes to a winner there. And for that to be odds against, I think, is, is pretty generous. It's ludicrous, to be honest. I can't believe that because we've seen the impact. Some of the balls that have been played into the area from both her and Hemp have been unstoppable. And as you said, Spain, there are so many of these teams who are you know, favourites to go deep in this tournament. You've got even the Netherlands, France. They Yes, they've got a lot of talent going forward, but they've looked incredibly vulnerable and shaky at the back. And I think Spain can fall into that category. They rely a lot on having that time in possession. But when Beth Mead is staring you down and coming coming down your throat, basically, that's not going to be an exciting prospect for that Spanish back line. And I think... I'd, I'd be back in here to, to score and possibly get an assist in that game. I, I can't see anything other than a comfortable England win. Yeah, Eleanor England, 5-4 uh, to four to score twice in the game. I guess because of the way Spain keep the ball, the, the goal expectancy is fairly low for the game. But that seems perfectly reasonable to me that England could score a couple of goals because they talk about rest defense the the tactics and and data people but effectively what it means is that when you lose the ball what shape are you in to then cut off that counter attack and it's something i looked at in that danish game and thought actually where are they at shape wise when they lose it and what was really interesting i thought was when the ball got played forward towards pinilla harder and that was the outlet for denmark that was what they were trying to do all the time Spain did crumble a fair bit. Yeah, no, they really did. And and um, Abby's just touched on it there. Their, their defence does look shaky at times. And if you look at look at England against Northern Ireland, look at that Fran Kirby goal. She was in the right place at the right time and the power that she put on that strike. That's all we're going to need against this Spanish team. If they lose the ball, they look very shaky. They don't look confident. They are most confident when they've got that ball, moving it around the middle of the pitch and moving forward. So England know that and England will be able to infiltrate that. I mean, I say you look at Frank Kirby, but we can look at anyone really in that England um, England yeah. kind of attack. You look at Beth Mead, how confident she looks on the ball and off the ball at the minute, the way she's picking people out, um, the, the passes, the crosses she's making. And then Alessia Russo. The way she, we've already, we've already touched on it, but I think we need to touch on it again. Touch on it again. Touch on it multiple times. Fine. The way she that she took that ball, it was just, she was just too quick. She was just too quick for them. It was really, really classy. And I think any any team would kind of struggle to contain her in this competition, but especially a Spanish side who almost look like they don't know what they're doing when it comes to defence. Those are going to be the players for us that really make the difference. And yeah, I'm, I'm confident in saying that Spain are going to struggle when we're making the move forward. And look at England's movement off the ball. I just do not see how they are going to compete with that. But a question, I firmly believe Russo should start in that game ahead of Ellen White. She feels think? like the, the player in form, doesn't yeah. she, of the two. Ellen White's missed a few that she would normally put away. Russo does feel like the striker in form. 
I also think it's uh, it's almost a little bit of a mentality thing. Don't get me wrong. Ellen White is a complete and utter professional. She's missed a couple of chances. But Alessia Russo, she's young. She's confident. She's very, very hungry. She's had a taste of these goals now. Um, and although she's patient and she'll be, she'll be patient wanting to make that start, she will almost be a completely different force to Ellen White yeah. starting. Um, like I said, she's she's new, she's exciting, she's confident. And that might be something that, again, this Spanish side, especially when they're looking really nervy in defence, they don't know how to contain that. So although I'm very much... I, I do like the way that um, Serena Beegman has has kept her confidence in the starting eleven. She knows what works. It's almost the kind of thing, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But let's see a little bit of experimentation perhaps. And I also think Russo has earned that. If, if Wiegmann does go with it, it's not just been plucked out of nowhere. She's put the work in. She's proved that she deserves a place in that starting eleven. I think it's also that, you know, we talk a lot about the trust that players have in Serena Wiegmann and accepting that they're happy with whatever role they play within this setup. But I think there's a real importance on you know, when players perform off the bench, that they then get their opportunity in the start and 11. I think it's a two-way street, you know. you Yes, you can make that impact off the bench, but Alicia Russo, ultimately, I can't imagine she's going to be happy just settling for that going forward. She is proving herself when she does come off the bench. So she must be thinking, yes, I'm happy to be part of this setup. Yes, I believe in everything we're doing, but I have earned this place in the start and 11. And yeah. I don't think many people could argue with her. If you're wondering, by the way, what is this Russo goal they're talking about? Uh, it was a brilliant goal against Northern Ireland, is what we're talking about. Her best mate in the squad, Ella Toon, played a lovely ball down the kind of inside left channel of the box. And then she turns with the most gorgeous first touch. The turn takes the defender out completely. Then she gets the ball out of her feet and smashes the ball into the far corner. It is a sensational goal. What I like about her is that she scores all types of goals. You go back to one of the goals she scored earlier in the group stage, which was Lucy Bronze whipping the ball in from the right, and she attacked it with a kind of classic header. That was against Norway. And she is a real danger in lots of different ways. So just kind of shows you the strength in depth that we have in attack. I say we, Abby. <laughs> Minus thinking, one. Not we, thank you. Um <laughs> I want to be a bit less glamorous now in a way because I think one of the really important battles here is the way that Abby feels about Beth Mead is the way I feel about Kira Walsh because I think she is a sensational holding midfielder. Her job may well be to try and disrupt Aitana Bonmati who has been so good at pulling the strings for Spain, keeping the ball moving. Eleanor, that could be one of the keys to the game, couldn't it? How England kind of lock Bonmati down and stop her keeping the ball moving, trying to drag England out of position. Yeah, it's about that disruption, really, because we've seen and we've spoken about, I think, on every single episode, how well Spain can move that ball and, and how quickly they can get it forward. And and Kira Walsh will be pivotal there, being able to to disrupt that movement and, and really just cause Spain a lot of frustration. And I completely get um, the, the love for Kira Walsh. And I think playing in that kind of defensive mid-role, you're almost a bit of an unsung hero. She's not going to get the... Uh, the, the applause that the Beth Mees and the Fran Kirby's that they get but goodness it's almost one of those things that if you 
you don't forget she's there because you know that she's doing her job, but because she's doing her job so well, it, it just goes complete. You kind of forget. It's one of those things. It's like a good ref. A yeah, good referee you yeah. haven't noticed. If, yeah. You, you kind of only notice a player, um, a player kind of playing in that position when they're doing it badly. Because Kira Walsh is just so good at what she's doing, you almost take for granted the fact that we've got that figure there and she's being able to take control and, and to, to dictate what's going on in the pitch. So, yeah, she deserves her flowers. Give Kira Walsh her flowers. Yes, <laughs> times 16. Abby, when we're thinking about these odds then, England evens to win this inside 90 minutes. That's worth bearing in mind as well. That feels really a fair price to me. Can you see any way Spain drag this out, manage to get it to extra time? Because if you want to oppose England, of course, you can do that. You could lay them on the exchange. And that means if it does go to extra time, you've got a winner or if Spain win it inside 90 minutes. But it, it feels like an England win. I think so. And I think that first goal, I know it's cliche to say, but that first goal is so important because as we've seen, once England do break the deadlock, the floodgates normally open. And I think that whilst Spain are so good going forward, their defence, they're going to look more and more vulnerable. So I, I'm looking at the over-under market and I'd be tempted at 23 to 20 over 2.5 goals. Because I, you think, yeah, because if that first goal goes in, the game yeah. has to break open yeah, then. Absolutely. And Spain so have to chase it. That's one that, that stands out to me. And of course, the, the Beth Mead love train. I'm obviously going to suggest any time goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes absolute sense. Eleanor, just a final thought from you on this. England firm favourites and rightly so. Yeah, definitely. I don't like being overconfident when it comes to teams that I'm following. But for this one, I just, I said it right at the start. Had had we been talking about this fixture three weeks ago before the tournament had started, before Pateas got that awful injury, then I would have been a lot more nervy. Watching Spain this tournament, I'm just a lot more confident in, in I mean, watching Spain and England, England's performances have been all we can wish for and Spain's have been dire and and they've been yeah. they've been really really off the mark so for me England firm favorites and I'm hoping there's not going to be too much for them to worry about especially if they get that early goal and like you say Spain are then forced to chase it and play outside of their original game plan yeah, and worth remembering that it isn't just Alexia Puteas who's out for Spain, Jenny Hermoso as well, who's a really important attacking player. It's basically if somebody came up to England and went, oh, we'll take Lauren Hemp and Beth Mead and you can't you can't play those. And it's like, oh, so, you know, a major blow for Spain. But I think there are some structural issues there as well. That's all we have time for on this particular edition of Women's Euros Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every single game in the tournament previewed on our website website betting.betfair.com we're going to have another show looking at the other three quarterfinals from Eleanor from Abby and from me it's goodbye for now